0: This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com.
1: To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown!
0: Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report.
1: Slammed to the ground by Baker. like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor, to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the Touchdown!
0: The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go.
1: One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel?
0: Here's Craig Grealoux, Paul Calvisi, and three-time pro bowler Kyle Vandenbosch.
1: We
2: are a full-service show here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report, so I thought I'd share something right off the top around the league and get some opinion the jets earlier today decided not to hold mandatory minicamp next week the reason it's actually a pretty good one they start training camp early because they're participating in the hall of fame game on august 3rd so they decide let's cut the otas and the minicamp and we'll just report a little bit earlier now it's found out kyle that the eagles have also chosen not to have mandatory minicamp but their season ran into February, so gets players, they like that as long as work is getting done, and then there's a reward at the end.
3: Yeah, that's interesting. Um, it, you know, I can see both sides of it. We played in the Hall of Fame game one time when I was in Tennessee, and It is a long training camp, really spread out. I had a friend who also played for the Bears, and they they did the same thing they played in the Hall of Fame game. um, And they had basically the easiest training camp I've ever heard of. They would have practice about every other day because they got that extra week, sometimes week and a half um, of training camp. And so you don't want to necessarily grind so hard leading up to the season. And, you know, from a – outside perspective, it makes sense for the Eagles to a degree. I mean, their season went extra long. You don't want to cheat players of their offseason. You, while you you know, you feel great about what you did. You came up a little bit short in the Super Bowl. Um, you, you do still want to give the players their time off, their rest. And as long as you, as a staff and as players, you feel like you get everything accomplished, you accomplish all of your goals, you get your install, you get all those things taken care of, you have good attendance and OTAs and off-season workouts, um, you know, it's, it makes sense to throw your players a bone, give them a little extra time, a little bit of a breather, um, heading into you know about a you know three four week period before training camp starts, um, just to give the guys some some rest. Um, probably more for the from the Eagles standpoint, more mentally than physically, because it, it is such a grind with the. Even you know we've talked about this before in the past, but just adding that 17th game like they did a couple years ago, it seems like so much. And then you extend you extend it further into the off season and go to the Super Bowl, and you deal with all the emotions of that. It takes some time for your body and and you know more importantly your mind to recover. Cardinals,
2: Paul have made no such announcement. Their mandatory minicamp is one week from this week, so OTAs and minicamp continue with a brand new head coach, and a brand-new offense and brand-new defense. So these days are needed. I'd
4: say it's just the opposite with the Arizona Cardinals. Like Zayvon Collins yesterday meeting the media saying the players feel the pressure, and that's a good thing. This isn't some sort of vacation. This isn't, hey, be ready week one. Hey, be ready in December and January, which in hindsight was the approach, the mentality last year. Was as long as we're healthy come December and January, then this team's going to go on a roll, and uh, how'd that work out? So it's a much different vibe, it's a much different mentality, and I, I don't see the Cardinals skimping on anything. Minicamp, training camp, there's a lot of decisions to be made, and I would say there's only a handful of made men on this roster. To Zavin's point, I think everyone is feeling the pressure to show themselves. In fact, if there's one year for the dreaded Hall of Fame game, and that's the way a veteran thinks, right, Kyle, the dreaded Hall of Absolutely. Fame game, if there's one year where you might welcome that as an organization, this would be the year for the Cardinals because they've been there and done that in recent history a couple of times where they had five preseason games back in the day. The only question on that one, Craig, is is Aaron Rodgers playing in the Hall of Fame game because if he is, then that TV – because usually it's nationally televised to kick off the year, right? That TV rating will triple.
2: My guess is he will be in uniform, standing on the sideline, maybe even mic'd up to boost those TV ratings. But the Cardinals certainly could use a little extra time given all the newness around the facility on the field. And let's just focus here on the defense with a defensive head coach and Jonathan Gannon, a brand-new defensive coordinator, and Nick Rollis. Exactly what do we expect defensively out of the Cardinals in 2023? Well, JG, a guest recently on the Day Patch podcast, answered that question.
5: We'll have elements of what we did in Philly. But my first thing about schematics is it's all about the players that you have and who you're going against. So I don't really care what we look like as long as we're executing at a high level and doing enough on each, all three phases to win the game. We play significantly different from week to week. That's predicated on who we have and who they have. So. I think that's, that's the main point is I want us to be adaptable.
2: We've heard this before, Kyle, and I kind of put myself in that category. Yeah, but you have an idea of what you want to be. 4-3, four, 3-4, three, three, four, some combination of that. And this conversation that JG had with Pash was a very good one because Jana's background is all about the 4-3. Mike Zimmer, Jerry Gray, Matt Eberflus, those are the coaches that he learned under but to hear him say he's had to kind of learn the pluses and minuses with a 4-3 and did some studying on how effective against certain offenses a 3-4 can be to his point being adaptable it might not just be coach Beak.
3: yeah and you can see it you can see it with players moving around players working at different positions throughout the summer Um, you know, they want to not only see whether a player can fit into a spot, whether he can execute, whether he can learn not just the techniques but the scheme at a certain position, Um, but, you know, whether it's going to work for this defense as a whole. And, you know, to to have a 4-3, you've got to have a really good 4, and I'm not sure we have that right now. And so, you know, that's what I love is it's not a coach saying – this is my system, this is what we're going to do, this is what I've done in the past, and I know it works because you've got to have the dudes to make it work. Now, we, we may have some guys step up on this defensive front. We may have some some guys come out of nowhere and be double-digit sack guys. Um, we've got a few players that have done in the past, either in college or even in the NFL, that have had that type of production. But right now, just from the outside looking in, it doesn't appear that we have the four that can be disruptive. And, and when you have a four three you need to have an eight like it you don't just have four players it's a heavy rotation of fresh guys coming in that have the ability to get in the backfield to make plays to hit pressure and and sack the quarterback and i'm not sure we have that right now and so that's you know that's been the theme since jonathan gannon's been hired is we're going to find out what these guys do best put them in the best position to succeed and figure out how we can use them on sunday so it's adaptable in two senses. Adaptable based on the talent and the abilities of your given roster, and it's adaptable, as he said, on a week-to-week basis because what you run versus the 49ers is not going to be the same defense you run against the Rams. You've got to cater things from a week-to-week basis, and now this time of the year is the time to experiment with players and move them around and experiment with schemes and see how they work and and try to execute. And And again... All of this is going to ramp up in training camp, and it's going to help you know, practicing against the Minnesota Vikings for a couple of days in training camp as well.
2: We've seen a lot of movement, Paul, and we'll get more into Zayvon Collins later in the show as far as where he will be or where we expect him to be, but we've talked about it on several different platforms. Based on Kyle's comments, that defensive line room right now, yeah, you've got 10 bodies in there, but do you have, to Kyle's point, do you have four that you can trust and if you don't then okay well we can't go four down linemen maybe we go three maybe we go two and load up the linebackers in the secondary
4: look at the eagles last year right think about it fletcher cox and javon hargrave who's now with the niners and you had jordan davis and brandon graham and josh sweat i mean they were loaded in the trenches on the defensive side of the ball that's that's not the case right now for the Cardinals, Like at least not the interior defensive line. There are question marks. There's a lot of names in there. There's some proven experience. There's some undrafted guys. But when you look at this roster overall, whereas I think the offensive line is underrated, I think the defensive line is probably where you start with the biggest questions going into camp, fall by cornerback and maybe the tight end room, just the depth there, and do you have enough players. So to that degree, it's refreshing to hear. It's, it really is to hear Jonathan Gannis say, hey, we're just going to emphasize our strengths. And this coaching staff, I think, has the ability, has the adaptability and the acumen to do what is needed week to week. And so with that in mind, uh, you know, I, I look forward to that. And, and they've already identified some players
2: that they think can be used in different roles, like a Zayvon Collins. To that point, here is Jonathan Gannon talking about being adaptable within the defensive scheme that they want to be. Again, part of the Day Patch Podcast.
5: You know, I use the phrase "adapt or die," man. You know, the game's changing, the players are changing. You know, like you got a seven or eight year vet and a rookie coming in; like they're different people. You know what I mean? They they play football differently. That that eight to ten year gap of age difference for players that are on our team, they grew up playing differently. They they went to high school and played differently. They played college ball significantly different. Mm-hmm. Right now, you got to be able to blend the two there. But yeah, I'm I'm very. I guess I'm curious, like, hey, what is the best way in 2023? You know what I mean? You try to figure it out, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I am not, uh, here's my playbook, and here's what we're running. I don't think that's the way to go. Look,
4: adapt or die. It wasn't just 2021 where the Cardinals started 7-0, and 10-2, and then faded down the end. It was 2020. And I think there was legitimate criticism from people who know the game that especially the offense had a certain way of doing things, the defense is adjusted in the NFL, and then the Cardinals didn't adjust to the adjustment. That what they put out there in September and October is exactly what they were doing in November and December, and that contributed mightily to the Cardinals' demise both in 20 and 21.
2: And right now, Kyle, is where you do that experimenting, whether it's moving players around or figuring out what's our best look defensively. And you can make the same conversation about offense as well but just singling in on defense because that is what your head coach that's his background
3: yeah and you know to, to Paulie's point it's not even just adapting throughout the season which is difficult because teams do figure you out they they figure out what you do well they figure out what you don't do well they'll take away your strengths and make you execute your weaknesses and it's it's about in-game adaptions and and you know an offense comes out, gives you a new wrinkle in the first quarter and they have success. They're going to come back to it in the third quarter. They're going to come back to it in the fourth quarter. The ability to understand what your players can do. Look, if you see something that surprises you and you struggle against it, you need to fix it immediately on the sidelines. And then you need to address it at halftime in the locker room. And the fact that they are figuring out what this defense is going to look like, what they do well, what players do well they can move those players around and move their chess pieces around throughout the course of a ball game because, um, again, you know, you spend all week coming up with a game plan that is specific to your opponent and you get a wrinkle that you haven't prepared for, you haven't seen before. You need to fix that immediately and you need to figure out which players do we have on our roster that can execute this scheme that we're putting in on the fly in a ball game. And and all of these things – You know, you're making versatile football players. You're not just having a guy that can only do one thing. Like, we can only put this guy in on third down because he cannot play the run. We can only put this player in the game when he's dropping because he can't rush the quarterback. You know, you need to figure out what every player does well, put them in the right spot. But you need to make each player on your team have a degree of versatility because, again, not only is every offense you're going to face different, every player you're going to face from the opposing team different, um, you know, they're going to continue to evolve and adjust throughout the course of a ball game, and you need to be able to step up and match that.
2: Who are your best 11 players? Is that five DBs, including three safeties? Is that five linebackers, including three outside linebackers? If that's your best 11, Paul, Then you figure out whatever combination it is to make sure you get 11.
4: Well, it's like on the PASH podcast. Dave asked Jonathan Gannon about Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons, and he immediately said doesn't matter what position they play. They just need to be impact players. They need to make a difference when they're out there. That's what they're looking for in this coaching staff. All right, who is the best 11 that can impact the game in the biggest way?
2: Speaking of the day, Pash Podcast, that conversation with Cardinals head coach Jonathan Gannon available right now via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at Pasch pod. We are just getting started. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your tickets, great seats. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.
1: colt mccoy gorgeous toss by colt mccoy oh that is a greasy throw by colt mccoy right there spin that pig colt
6: he's got that aura about him you know that, that confident he just you know he knows what the defense is doing he knows what everybody else is supposed to be doing so it's great to, I, I love having him you know i love having him around he's a great dude you know despite him being a longhorn he's a great dude you hope
2: to never see the backup quarterback but if you do You better have a good one. And the Cardinals do and have with Colt McCoy backing up Kyler Murray. As you heard, K1 speaking about Colt McCoy last year making four starts. The question now, gentlemen, is how many starts, if any, do we see Colt McCoy make in 2023? As we say, welcome back. It is the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek. Your ticket to great seats. Still don't know the status of one Kyler Murray. The rehab from the torn ACL continues. But in the meantime, you've got Colt McCoy. You've got David Blau, Jeff Driscoll, Clayton Toon, your draft pick, Paul. Any one of those four need to be acting or preparing as if, yeah, you get that tap on the shoulder, you're starting week one if Kyler cannot. Yeah, and it's interesting
4: to hear Colt McCoy saying, uh, and I'm loosely quoting from yesterday when we met the media that what the Cardinals are doing now offensively is very similar to the way that he's played most of his career. Meaning, Cardinals are now huddling all the time. They're using cadence. They're pointing out the mic. They're doing you know, so they've sort of gone back to the mean, gone back to the way most of the league runs an offense. Now they're going to be doing a lot of different things at different times. And it's interesting to hear Colt also say it's pretty much a level playing field in learning the offense, whether you're a Clayton Toon and you're a fifth-round rookie or you're Colt McCoy in your 14th season and on your fourth or fifth different team. So it really has leveled the playing field. And it's going to be interesting to see the preseason games. You don't hear us say that very often, but from the quarterback spot, because I fully expect the rookie Clayton Toon to get most of the second half, if not the entire second half of all three games. And then Colt McCoy, I think despite his longtime status in the league and so much that he's accomplished, is going to have to prove himself to the new regime, and he's going to have to prove to these, to Drew Petsine and Jonathan Gannon, that, yeah, he can operate this offense.
2: A veteran of 13 NFL seasons will be 37 when his 14th season begins, so you like to have that veteran, I mean, I'd even include the veteran leadership in that room because he's seen it, he's done it, and to Paul's point, Kyle, it's, yeah, it's an offense that I think, more of us are familiar with as far as the traditional two backs multiple tight ends as opposed to just spread it out and run 10 personnel which McCoy described as the identity of the previous coaching staff
3: yeah and it's no mystery why this coaching staff loves Colt McCoy I mean if we look back at last season's in-season hard knocks um, he's the true definition of player coach a coach on the field I mean he that when he knew that he was a starting quarterback, he took control. He talked to his receivers, told them how he wanted them to run the routes and and what he was looking for, and and you know talked to the offensive line. I mean, he took command of the offense, and and he is the type of quarterback that really or the team will benefit from huddling up because he knows everything he's seen everything he can give players reminders in the huddle whereas if you're going fast you're going up tempo you know you don't get that opportunity to make these corrections to give these points of emphasis in the huddle and and I think you know you will see him flourish in this offense I think you'll see him be able to execute you know and slow it down a little bit um, you know, you you can see again just going back to that Hard Knocks, how much he dives into the game plan and how much he has input into a game plan when he is the starting quarterback. So, um, just his experience and the years he's been around the league and the offensive coordinators he's worked with, the defenses he's seen, um, you know, he he his head won't be spinning. Um, there's there's nothing that Colt McCoy hasn't seen and 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 so you can see why the coaches are comfortable with him executing their offense, regardless of what the offense looks like.
4: It's very similar to me to Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer, where the game plan wouldn't go in officially until those two quarterbacks took a deep dive into that week's opponent which was usually on a Monday. And then on Monday night or Tuesday morning, you would get the input from Kurt Warner, Carson Palmer, okay, let's finalize the game plan. Same thing with a Colt McCoy. He's been around long enough that whatever the opponent is, he's very familiar with the defensive assistant coaches, their philosophy, oh yeah, this defensive coordinator is known for this, and then it becomes that group effort that Kyle cited that we all saw on Hard Knocks in the meeting rooms, where he really becomes almost a player coach, a de facto assistant offensive coordinator because he's seen so much over so many years.
2: He knows what to expect. The expectation, though, for a lot of us was will Colt McCoy come back for a 14th season? How much did he think about stepping away after last year? How last year ended, and then with a
6: brand new front office, a brand new coaching staff coming in, did he think about retiring? Here's the deal. I told my kids, when I retire, we can get a dog. (laughs) So <laughs> we're not getting a dog right now. <laughs> and there it is right there, Kyle. Colt McCoy
2: will never retire because as he mentioned, yeah, the kids, they want a dog. They'll take care of it, dad. Don't worry. Who always gets taken care of the pets?
3: That's right. I got I got about 10 pets <laughs> at my house that I get up early and feed and take care of and walk the dogs and all that. So yeah, I mean, it, well, first of all, the problem with that agreement is when you retire, the kids aren't going to pay attention to you anyway. They're just going <laughs> to spend all their time with the dog. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, you know, players know. Um, it, you You know when it's time to retire. You know when you've lost that passion and the love. For the game and 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 again um you know just the glimpse we got of Colton mccoy and how respected he is in the locker room and, and his leadership and his relationship with the rest of the team to me and, and talking to other players that walk away from the game that is the hardest part it's it's you miss the camaraderie you miss the locker room you miss you know you don't miss the grind you don't miss the pain you 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 miss your teammates and you miss that sense of belonging and family and and, you know, it's 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 a tough decision. But, um, you know, I, I think I, – I feel comfortable with this team with Colt McCoy under center if, if it is Colt McCoy week one because, um, again, it is just how well-respected and his knowledge of the game and, and his leadership. Um, look, you can have a quarterback that doesn't have great leadership qualities, but you better find a bunch of great leaders around him. You – your team is way better off when the guy who's lined up under center is that alpha, is that leader, does take command, and and has that authority. And his authority not only comes with his voice, it comes with his experience and the things he's seen and the way he's played and just his preparation.
4: It's one thing to walk away and retire when you're the backup. It's another thing where, as of right now, you're scheduled to be the starter week one, at least. That's the thinking. We don't know for sure. It could be week one, could be one month. Could be all the way through Halloween. We have no idea. So you can't walk away for an opportunity like that if you're scheduled to be a starting quarterback, one of 32 on the planet. So, for that reason, and, you know, the Cardinals look, uh, they're in need. They're in need of a proven quarterback. And Colt, you know, proved himself very capable last season when called
2: upon. Quoting Colts on Monday, opportunities to play in this league don't grow on trees. And he has this opportunity in front of us. That's why this
6: is so important for him. Here's more from Colt McCoy after meeting the media on Monday. You know, my number one priority is learning the system, right? It's it's new. It's different. There's things as a quarterback that you got to know that other people don't. So there's a lot of thinking going on out on the field and a lot of like first time i'm seeing plays okay like you know understanding and processing it and then in my mind like i don't know if kyler's gonna be healthy or not you know i think we all certainly hope that he is but if he's not i'm 100 percent gonna be ready to go the backup
2: quarterback is always one play away one snap away and that goes for every backup at any position What we all want to know about Kyler murray How's he doing? When is he going to be coming back? Got a little bit of an update. Let's go back to the Day Patch podcast. Jonathan Gannon on K1.
5: I'm excited when he gets back because I think he's got what you're looking for in the franchise player of your organization. And uh, I think ultimately he's got fire in his gut, big-time competitor, and um, he's he's going to will his team to win. So I'm, I'm excited that he's on our squad.
2: Whether it's the head coach, Kyle, whether it's his teammates, we've heard it repeatedly. Kyle Murray, first one in, last one out, as far as not just the rehab, but in meetings. Spotted on the field, watching, going through mental reps while his teammates are going through physical reps on the field.
3: Yeah, and when you're a special athlete and you've been special your whole life, you you tend to take things for granted. Like the game, sometimes is easy. The you you're not necessarily diving into things like other people are. But when players deal with adversity, you know Kyler has dealt with adversity. You know even prior to his injury, the team was not playing particularly well last year, and so I, he is excited about the changes. He's excited about how the team um, has you know really embraced him as the franchise quarterback and and you can see you know just by his dedication it's a bit different this offseason he is here like and I, and I talked about this with you off the air like you know I know that players can probably get better rehab other places. They can probably find trainers that are elite, the best in the world, and you can go and spend your offseason there. But when you're a team, you've got to be a part of that team. They, Your teammates have to see you. They, you. You have to form those relationships and those bonds. And trust me, you know, as one of the most injured players in the National Football League, it is tough when you are in the training room to be in meeting rooms, be invested, be – uh, you know, learn a new scheme and a new game plan. Um, but Kyler Murray from from everything I'm hearing is doing just that. Like he is out there taking the mental reps. He's out there being the leader that this team needs him to be because when he comes back, um, he wants to do something special. And, and you know, you can see that, it, you know, even though the players know he's more than likely not going to be there week one and who knows when he's going to be back out on that football field they are excited for his return because they can see how much this means to him
4: this has to be the most adversity he's faced oh, in absolutely. his football career by far right walked in as a freshman was a starting quarterback in high school won three state titles You know, all-American recruit. Yeah, he transferred from Texas A&M, and then he went to Oklahoma. He had a backup Baker Mayfield for a couple of years. He played one full season, won the Heisman. He's the number one pick overall. He's rookie of the year. He's a two-time Pro Bowler. This is the most adversity he has faced. And so I think we're all curious to see how much more, I don't know, mentally tough he comes out of this. What is his desire just to be a football player after going through this ordeal?
2: When Kyler Murray makes his return, not if, but when k1 makes his return make sure you are in attendance at state farm stadium cardinals single game tickets on sale now go to azcardinals.com forward slash buy tickets to secure your seats today we've hit halftime here on the cardinals red sea reports paul's favorite topic when we return here on the arizona cardinals radio network
1: Nino Smith in the pistol, behind him is Kenneth Walker. Snap to Smith, he's gonna throw. And tried to dump it off, picked off at the 30 on the near side by Collins, running it back to the 20 to 10, touchdown! Saban Collins, great awareness! That was a check down to the right. And Saban Collins read it, he picked it off, and then he returned it to give the Cardinals the lead, 13 to 10 saving with a look-what-I-found pick, and then shows off that speed. That is a big man running, taking it all the way back for a pick six, baby.
2: Correct me if I'm wrong, Paul, because I know you will. On that play, if I remember correctly, Collins lined up on the outside, perhaps going to rush the quarterback, but saw Kenneth Walker art outside, and then, as you heard Dave Passion and Ron Wolfley describe the play, read the quarterback's eyes, stepped in front of the passing lane, And took it 30 yards for the pick six. No, as much
4: as I'd love to correct you and admonish you, you are correct. It was the left side of the defense. It was near the Cardinals' sideline. I also remember being down there, and, of course, I'm behind big guys like Kyle Vandenbosch, so I'm straining my neck left and right trying to see around the tall trees. But there were coaches screaming at him and pointing to the running back, meaning, that's your assignment, and sure enough, I don't – doubtfully heard anything because it's very hard for the players to hear what the coaches are actually yelling but that doesn't keep the coaches from yelling from the sideline all game long but yes he did make the read jump the passing lane and boom the rest is history
2: now that was from the outside the question is kyle and i know where paul stands so i want to get your thoughts on this but we have seen during otas during the open portions Aven collins consistently working with the outside linebackers one-on-one instruction with outside linebackers coach rob rodriguez so, where do we see Zabin Collins play this season?
3: Yeah, it's it, it wouldn't surprise me uh, if he's a pass rusher. I mean, again, in a limited amount of reps rushing the quarterback last year, he was effective. Um, if you see him walking through these hallways in a T-shirt and shorts and you had to guess his position, you'd guess defensive end. I mean, he's your prototype build. Um, I mean, he's bigger than I was when I played defensive end, and – um, he's definitely strong enough. He's, he's um, you know, he's got all of the physical tools to play the position. And, you know, I know we've talked about this before, but he's got to feel liberated, like freed up, because playing linebacker, there's so many checks and so many, if they do this, you drop to this spot. If they do this, you got to cover this guy. And if they come out in this formation, we have to check to this. If he's on the outside and – he is asked to a set the edge and and b get after the quarterback. That's it, uh, and, and I'm sure he's probably feeling that if if that's what they're asking him to do, uh, you know, when a coach says, "Okay, just go beat that offensive tackle and get the quarterback." That's it. That that's that's my job. You know, obviously, there's a lot of technique. Um, you know, there's a whole game within a game of uh, figuring out what your best pass rush move is, setting it up, um, having a counter. Um, but it, you know, it's it, for him. It gives, and again, this is a common theme with this defense. Let's put these guys in positions where they can succeed. Let's put these guys in a position where they don't have to think and they can just play fast. And for a player like Zavin Collins, who's you know probably had to make checks his entire career, had to cover running backs out of the backfield his entire career, had to you know do some zone drops his entire career to just – have the ability to line up on the outside and just go, it's got to feel liberating for him. I have a
4: 16-year-old who's getting his braces off today. What's that feel like? Freedom from yes. the braces. Zayvon Collins, right? Just go out to the edge and get after the quarterback. Your responsibilities are, are cut in half, if not more than what you were doing, wearing the green dot, playing inside linebacker, being the mic, the captain of the defense, calling all the checks and the adjustments. So it is much different, to Kyle's point. Hopefully it unlocks all that athleticism, I think of the linebacker taking four spots ahead of him in the 2021 draft, Micah Parsons. They're now calling him a pass-rushing linebacker because Micah Parsons trying to redefine his position. He wants to be called a defensive end because the defensive ends get paid more than linebackers, but now the Cowboys say, no, he's a pass-rushing linebacker. You know what? That's what I'm thinking Zayvon Collins is effective this season. We'll see how long it lasts, but as of right now, I'm think the Cardinals are viewing him much like uh, Micah Parsons who played the majority of his snaps last year off the edge
2: well we've already you and I Paul have already moved Zayman Collins into the outside linebackers yep. room we do no longer considers Zayvon Collins an inside linebacker much like we no longer consider Isaiah Simmons an inside linebacker he is In the secondary, he is working with the safeties. That's where we've seen him now for the better part of over a year. Your two inside linebackers, they need to be on the field at any position. Jonathan Gannon, on what he expects out of Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons.
5: They need to be impact players for us, and that's how we're treating them. You know, both of those guys are extremely intelligent, so everyone sees the physical skill set, but they don't know what they have in their brain. And that's what excites me the most about those two guys is their brain. And why that excites me is is when they can understand why you're doing things and how we're deploying them, it allows you to be creative with what you can do with them.
2: Part of the conversation that J.G. had on the Dave Patch podcast, you can go look it up, great conversation between the head coach and the voice of your Arizona Cardinals, Dave Patch. But as you think about the transition not for isaiah simmons kyle he's he's already made that transition but for zayvon collins if this is a permanent move which i expect it to be he did see a lot of snaps towards the end of last season as an edge rusher he even put it at about 30 percent of his defensive snaps played near closer to the line of scrimmage
3: Yeah. And there's a definite need. There's there's a need for production, for the ability to affect a game as an edge rusher. And again, he has all the physical tools. And, you know, what I loved hearing Jonathan Gannon say there is it's not just the what we're not telling them line up here and do this. We're engaging them with the why you're giving players ownership. This is why we're moving you here, and this is what it can do for your career. This is why we're moving – we're going to keep Isaiah Simmons in the secondary because of his skill set and because of what we believe his strengths are and overall what it will do for our defense. And then once they understand the why, it's much easier to do the what and to understand the ins and the outs of the defense and you know I just love how this staff is coming in they didn't sit in a dark room come up with a scheme uh, on a on a blackboard and just hand it to the players and say here's what we're doing go do it it is you know here's how we want our defense to look here's how we believe you can be an impact player because these two players you know take away their draft position if you didn't know they were first-round draft picks, you would still see that they are special athletes. They are elite athletes. They love to hit. They love the physical part of the game. And so you need to find a place for them on this football field. And we talked about that earlier. Um, Whatever this defense looks like, you need to get your game changers, your impact players, your guys that affect the outcome of games on the field and not just guys who are um, eating up space or guys who – um, don't necessarily ever impact a game. They do their job, but they're not elite players because that's what the NFL has become. It's not just 11 guys that do their job, which is vitally important. You need guys that can impact the outcome of games, and those, that is the type of athletes and the type of players that Isaiah Simmons should be and Zayvon Collins should be on a week-to-week basis.
4: And remember something else. Isaiah Simmons was, at the time, termed a draft pick who was selected to cover the tight end. And then I thought Zayvon Collins was underrated last year in coverage. We saw the year before Jordan Hicks was exploited a lot, trying to come out of the backfield, match up on a back or a tight end. That was not to the Cardinals' advantage. One of the reasons Jordan Hicks is no longer on the Cardinals' defense last year, I believe, Zayman Collins made a lot of plays in coverage, including that pick six that we heard to start this segment, right? And so if he's on the field, I'm guessing there are going to be a lot of different packages where he'll find himself in obvious passing situations, maybe on a back, on a tight end, that he will go from being an edge player to maybe someone who would
2: be downfield in coverage. A lot of talk about Zayman Collins. Let's hear from Zaven Collins, the difference between an edge rusher and an inside linebacker for him.
3: The edge, you're on the line of scrimmage, so you don't see as much. So, you know, whenever you're off the ball, you, you kind of have a grasp for more of, like, what's going on and seeing, like, kind of everything I can. not When you're off the ball, you kind of see the, you know, spacing of wide receivers, tight ends, you know. But on the edge, you can also see how far is the tight end off, you know. Is he going to cut back? Is he going to stay on the ball, go this? But each aspect, it's different. But it's, uh, like I said, last year in our five-down stuff, I played off the edge as well. I think it was, like, 30% of the time. So it was, it's not nothing crazy new to me.
2: This goes back to our earlier conversation, Kyle, about trying to figure out what these players do best and what fits best within your roster. You bring in a Kaiser White who knows this defense, having spent and played under Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis. If he's going to be the quarterback of the defense as basically your inside linebacker, all right, well, where does that leave Zayvon Collins? Not that he can't handle it, but maybe he is better suited and better for this defense. To play on the outside where there is a considerable need to get after the quarterback
3: yeah i mean look kaiser white speaks the language that these coaches speak because he came from philly um, he understands what the coaches are asking of him he is perfect to bring in and be the mic backer to make the checks to run the defense to control the huddle um, he understands the vision probably better than just about anybody on this roster and so, yeah, what do you do with Zayvon Collins? You don't take a special player an elite athlete and move him, you know, to another linebacker spot or put him on the bench because Kaiser White understands things better. You've got to find a way to utilize him. And, um, it, yeah, it is different. It's way different. Look, Edge is primarily it's man on man. Like I just have to beat the guy in front of me. And you could hear him there talk about – the difference. You have to see everything when you're a Mike backer. Whereas when you're an, an edge player, it's tunnel vision. Like, I have to focus on this guy. I'm going to read his block and he will tell me exactly what to do on this play.
4: You know, you watch these Cardinals OTAs when you're out there. It's easy for your eye to gravitate past the head coach to the coordinators, right? Nick Rowles, Drew Petsing, Jeff Rogers. But to me, I keep watching Rob Rodriguez, the outside linebackers coach, and just the task he has with this group. A Zavin Collins at 6'4", 260 is radically different than a Dennis Gardeck who is very different than a MyJ Sanders, who is very different than a Cameron Thomas, who might even be more of a five technique. And then you bring in the rookie BG Jalari. and he's got to get all these players ramped up. Every one of them is unique in their own skill set. And oh, by the way, 18-year 36 sacks went out the window and walked away in Zach Allen and JJ Watt. So the onus
2: is on Rob Rodriguez and that position group to generate sacks. Outside linebackers returning from last season, sanders and cameron thomas each with three sacks apiece zayvon collins had two his first two of his career both were from an outside linebacker position so not a lot in that room and maybe that's a big reason why zayvon collins is now in that room as well this is the arizona cardinals radio network
1: and it's a run play up the middle. Connor down to the five, pushing his way to the two, diving for the one, and close to the end zone when they call it a touchdown, they do! What a run by James Connor!
5: If you think of anybody who's done something great in the game of footballs, you know, it's probably you know, the time when their back was against the wall, you know, everybody was counting them out, and, I you know, it was just so unexpected for them to do something really big. So, yeah, that's the position we're in right now. It's a position to do something great. You know, adversity, that's what makes a champion.
2: Love the attitude of Cardinals running back James Conner, who is a larger voice in that room now, given all the offseason changes, but one of those guys that is returning from a disappointing 2022 season. Conner led the team in rushing yards, 782, despite only playing 13 games. The question is how much more Will we see of James Conner? That's been a big topic of conversation so far this off season. Before we get the thoughts, uh Paul Calvisi and Kyle Vandenbosch, myself, Craig Riolu, how about we hear from Colt McCoy who on Monday kinda opened up the door on what to expect
6: offensively? We stayed in like ten personnel and eleven personnel a lot, right, with Cliff, and that was sort of our identity. I think here we'll implement more two tight end sets and you know, running the football and Having more like checks and alerts and things like that that will that will get James going. Hopefully, get him in the right looks. And the offensive line is, has done a tremendous job this offseason. I think that's been the, the best part of everything. Is is Clayton has got those guys you know dialed into you know what we're doing, who who we're blocking, different fronts. That Clayton references offensive line coach
2: Clayton Adams. But you look a year ago, Kyle, the run pass ratio thirty eight to sixty two. 62% of the snaps last year, Cardinals threw the ball. Not going to say it's, we're going to be reversed this upcoming season, but it's going to be much more balanced than we've seen in recent years.
3: Yeah, it just felt like they ran just to try to you know give some semblance of a run game last year. And, and, and again, we talked about this, I think, last week. You get the feeling this offense is going to be run to set up the pass, whereas in the past it was the pass to set up the run. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's as old as football, but if a defense, there's, there's no better feeling than when an offense can continually pick up four or five yards on the ground. And there's no more helpless feeling when you're on defense, particularly on the defensive line, when the offense is just getting chunks in the run game. I mean, not, not 30 yard runs, but like four or five, six yard runs and you can't stop it. And it, you know. You, if that's the case, if you can't stop the run, you can't stop anything, and and that will always hold true in the game of football. And you know, it's it, it's it's to me, you know, the game has to a degree gone to more of a spread. Let's get the ball out. Let's go no huddle, and let's get the ball to our receivers. But when you come back and you're contrarian, and you are a physical football team, and you're playing week fifteen, week sixteen, week seventeen that is tough for a defense when you've been playing passing team passing team passing team well here comes a run first offense it's going to be tough and you better bring an extra chin strap and and get a bunch of air in your helmet because my hands hurt my shoulders hurt and my entire body hurts and now here comes this big physical offense that continues to pound the ball at you um you know that's that's kind of a bit of an old school brand of football but It's it works and and it's tough to stop. And, you know, when you get to December and hopefully January and you're in the playoffs, you need to have the ability to run the football. I tell you, James Conner was asked a real simple question.
4: What do you like the most about the new offense? And he said right away that we're going to run the ball a lot. And he wasn't smiling. He's been all business this offseason. I followed up towards the end, and I asked him my poly Pencil net question. I'm mm, like, geez, you know, you you're. averaged more than five yards a carry last year a lot, but you didn't get that many carries. Are you stumping for more carries? And he said, talk is cheap. I got to show it. I got to earn it. But I tell you, I look at the running back room. I look at the fact the Cardinals are most likely going to start the season, we presume, with a backup quarterback. Yes, there'll be a renewed emphasis on the run game. And James Conner has that look in his eye of a player in a contract year and we know what happened when his first year with the cardinals when he's gunning for a contract and he was pro bowl caliber
2: this last note before we put a bow on this edition of the cardinals red sea reports welcome back aaron brewer cardinals long snapper has been re-signed so something to pay attention to don't always talk about special teams but Very consistent when you talk about Aaron Brewer. Much more on that in the days and weeks ahead. Special thanks behind the scenes. Jamal Mahondro, Cody Fincher. We'll talk to you next week here on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network.